Hello and welcome to another episode of Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at Tech Advisor, bringing you all things phones and then some other stuff as well. So I'm Henry Burrell. Dominic Preston is taking a well-earned break on another continent as far away from the microphone as possible. So joining <laughs> me today are Hannah Cowton and Lewis Painter. How are you both? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah not too bad. I've been enjoying a week with the iPhone. Yes, you have. Oh. <laughs> You're very jealous teasers, of teasers. Uh, spending time on the dynamic island, Lewis. So uh, we'll get <laughs> your thoughts on that. The iPhone 14 Pro, yes, TechAdvisor has got its hands on it. We'll also have a full iPhone 14 regular uh, review soon, but we will have that probably next week at the moment. Uh, Hannah is also here to chat authoritatively about the Oppo Reno 8 Pro, an interesting mid-range phone from a brand that is making waves and putting out a lot of phones. And in between that, a little topic that links the two, why do things cost so much money? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, uh, the iPhone costs 150 pounds more in the UK, the Pro. Um, obviously, Apple makes a big deal about the fact that the uh, US price hasn't changed, but what about the rest of the world? So we'll have a little chat around why that is so expensive, uh, why stuff costs so much, and maybe some deals you should be looking at if you wanna save some money. Um, in the meantime, before we get to all of those things, let's do our usual run through the news, which we have changed last minute in the most professional manner possible. As so, you do. <laughs> first of all, uh, one that our colleague Aniron, uh, who is sometimes on the pod, he covered this week in a video for us on our YouTube channel. So check out Tech Advisor on YouTube. Uh, this is the Asus ROG Phone 6D. I think I've got these right. And ROG Phone 6D Ultimate. And these are the fourth, <laughs> third and fourth uh, ROG Phone 6s, which is incredibly confusing, but an iron's got the rundown. I don't know how they can make so many phones. Do they sell any? Uh, but That's the question. This is, we think it's the most expensive uh, <laughs> in, in, in line with our second topic of today, uh, gaming phone you can buy in the UK. It's £1,199 for €1,399. That gets you 16, if I am not mistaken, gigabytes of RAM uh, in either version. And then uh, one of the versions also goes up to 512 uh, gigs of storage. You get a 6.7 inch OLED. But the reason that that ultimate uh, price is so high is you get the uh, AeroActive Portal. Didn't know what that was until I Googled it, which is nope. a cooling system, <laughs> which Aniron also uh, talks through as well. And that's what you clip onto the phone because it would get too hot if you didn't. Uh, <laughs> gaming phones are nuts. Would you ever buy a gaming phone, either of you? Um, I've I've tested. Uh, so which one did I test? It was an iQ. Um, and when you were mm. mentioning there about the heat, like they they claimed <laughs> like they were like, oh yeah, we've got this whole built-in cooling system, whatever. And then you know I was playing some Genshin Impact, and literally the thing <laughs> felt like it was going to explode <laughs> in my hand. It also had a hundred twenty watt charging, um, yeah. and that also made it like do that so yeah i can see why there might be now an external thing to actually use it because i think a lot of tech companies just still haven't cracked this whole thing of putting like top tier performance uh in with a mobile phone but yeah I, i'm not the biggest mobile gamer myself i do enjoy console gaming but um yeah. i've never really gotten into the mobile scene I mean, do you review black shark with a cooler yes um yeah. I've I've had a few. I've reviewed the ROG Phone Five and that cooler as well, and I've yep. had a, a third party one as well um, that just attaches to any phone, which is my favourite of the bunch because you can use it on an iPhone as well instead of the ROG one, go. which mm. is exclusive to one model of that only model of phone. 
Um, but I mean, would I buy one? No. Never. <laughs> like, I it's... mean, for me, like, I, I actually have the aesthetic's grown on me. These two new 6Ds, uh, they're actually like a kind of a darker grey rather than the usual ROG phone uh, white. Uh, but the thing for me is that, um, as Aniron mentions, uh, they've only got two years of security and software updates. Oh, so, that is uh, mad. I don't know. The uh, price and disposability of these uh, doesn't really uh, doesn't really uh, roll with me. But, I mean, phones can all play games, but as you say, Hannah, yeah. you're going to need to strap somebody <laughs> or sit by a fan if you want. <laughs> uh, but those phones are out. We have a video on them. We'll have a full written review soon on the site. Uh what else have we got? So also this week, another foldable is hitting the scene. Confirmed for the 26th of September, the Vivo X Fold Plus is coming. Mm. We've already had the Vivo X Fold, unfortunately not through our doors because it is a China-only phone at the moment. But Vivo is doing some cool stuff in the uh, flagship hardware space after its X70 and 80 phones as well. This is uh, They started showing it off. It's in a nice red color, actually. And the back of the phone looks quite similar to the X80 Pro with that big old credit card sort of shape. Uh, and then a, and then a big circle full of cameras. I quite like it. It's very ostentatious, <laughs> but some people think it looks stupid. Uh, this phone is rumored to have the, you guessed it, Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. No. And all the other goodies in there with a 120 hertz display. Uh, we're probably not going to see this in Europe would be my guess. But um, yeah, foldables keep on coming. Um, Lewis, Just you weren't a huge <laughs> fan of the uh, Z Fold 4, were you? But um, yeah. tempted by another brand if they thinned it down or something. I mean, I think it's it's mainly the aspect ratio that they need to work on. Give me something that's slightly more rectangular on that inner screen and you might tempt mm. me back because then you can just rotate it sideways and it's a little bit more like a phone experience um, mm. rather than just a, a big old square. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if from big old squares to small, uh, cheaper squares, uh, OnePlus has teased the launch of its upcoming Nord smartwatch. Uh, only in India at the moment. This is OnePlus India that's done a little tease, and it's simply called the Nord Watch. And I think they said, "Oh no, I've lost the, I've lost the advert." I don't know what it said. It just said it's coming <laughs> soon. We don't know much about it apart from, oh, here you go, like a, a little classic tech teaser of a, a spotlight on a small corner of a watch, which just looks like any old smartwatch. But wow. We- <laughs> <laughs> we uh, trashed, I believe, the original OnePlus watch, which was not ready for yeah. uh, general consumption. And it was uh, sort of strange, didn't really do anything smart, did it? It was just kind of, uh, do we remember that one? I think it was Chris that reviewed that for us. Yeah, I think, wasn't it just basically like a fitness tracker and even then half the things didn't work? Yeah, so Huawei yeah. does that quite well, where it's more fitness trackery, but they are in a, a nice watch a uh, nice chassis and they've got great battery life and i think the oneplus basically did everything the opposite of, of, of well <laughs> but the nord brand as we know is their kind of mid-range to budget brand so uh this could hopefully i was uh, gonna say would we expect something similar to like the oppo watch perhaps so, yeah. like seeing as they are like effectively sister companies and from what i'm looking online uh toddy when he was still here seemed to like it so yeah yeah um, oppo, oppo watch ran wear os as well it was it was like pretty premium as far as i remember mm-hmm. so we maybe they can do that i mean my guess would be that the nord watch would run OnePlus's own thing yeah um We'll have to wait and see. We got no date on that at the moment, but I thought it was an interesting little official teaser rather than just going off a leak. So keep an eye out for that one. As ever, if we can get our hands on it, we will let you know if it's any good. Now, last minute, I swapped out one of the new segments because uh, Lewis and Hannah thought of something more interesting. What is the Logitech G Cloud, please? <laughs> and why is it exciting? Uh, so yeah, this is Logitech's uh, first kind of 
actual console, like a handheld console. It looks a little bit like a Nintendo Switch, but rather than powering things locally, it basically mm. relies on cloud gaming for everything. Um, so it will support things like GeForce Now, Xbox Game Pass, and, and PlayStation um, Remote Play, and basically all the big streaming services. So you can have access to a wide variety of PC level, PC quality games just on a little handheld. Um, I, it, you know, it's, it looks good. It looks fun, and it, it, it does look a lot like the Switch Lite. Is I think that's what Hannah mm. said uh, when we were mm-hmm. discussing yeah. it yesterday. It does look a lot like the Switch Lite. Um, I think my my only not complaint, just observation, is that um, it's very heavily reliant on cloud gaming and stuff like that. But there's no like five G connectivity. So I was you about can to say, is this a handheld that you have to do next to a Wi Fi? Yes, <laughs> it is. Yeah, right. and I think that's a little that's bit not... weird. Yeah, is there is there any sort of support for any offline play at all, or um, not really? It's got a Snapdragon seven seventy G, I think it is, or seven sixty G. So strictly mid range from like twenty twenty, um, and it does have Google Play support, so you can download mm. Android games. But I mean, that's not mm. great, really. So no. like, if you, if you have, <laughs> yeah, Xbox uh, Cloud Gaming at the moment. Can you download titles to play offline or not? No, it's just cloud gaming. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, like you're right. It sounds like this could be a, a cool thing to play Android games on on the go, but you're gonna have to be sitting next to a Wi-Fi router. Yeah. Into the mains. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Like to be fair, um, in our household, we have a main switch, and then I have my Switch Lite, and I do enjoy the Switch Lite. You know, I just like playing either like just before bed or whatever. Yeah. You know, where you don't want to be downstairs and you just want to be lounging around the house. So it could be useful for that. But yeah, if you're a person who you use your handheld primarily for when you're traveling or whatever, if you wanted to use this on a plane ride or whatever, it, it wouldn't be any use really if you yeah. for yeah. those sorts of titles. So yeah. Interesting. Um, we should probably we say any... it's, I want to say it's US only um, at the moment mm-hmm. um, and it comes out early next month. I think you pre-order it now. I think it's how much slightly is, how much discounted. Is it? uh, if I remember correctly, it's two nine nine at the moment, or is okay. it one nine nine? I think it's two nine nine, uh, and it then it in... goes up by fifty dollars. Yeah, I seem to remember it's between the the Steam Deck and the Switch. Is that right? It's something like that. Price wise, like price, yeah. price wise, yeah, yeah, I think so. Something along those lines. It's Something along those lines. Hopefully, we can get hold of one um, to see what. Yeah, the fingers is crossed. About. Um, and whether that's something that's going to become more mainstream. But um, yeah. I mean, to, I, I have a Switch. I only really ever use it as a handheld. Uh, but if I mean, I look at something like the Logitech G Cloud and I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know who, what, how does this, what's this for? <laughs> so, I must admit, I'm, is, is it I'm more quite... of like a, do you have to know what you're doing with this sort of thing? I think it's not for like entry level gamers because you'll get it yeah. and be like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to have to play Android games on this. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what services have what games on them and all that kind of stuff. So you I'd do kind buy of have to a be... £1,000 gaming phone and strap a fan to it. <laughs> I mean, most <laughs> to, people would. <laughs> to be fair, I think I think Xbox Game Pass is getting like a bit more accessible for some people. Like, they have yeah, some yeah. good like entry offers, like, the, yeah. where it's, you know, like, yeah, you pay like a reasonable fee a month when you first sign up and then you get access to quite a lot of like. Yeah well-known titles like you yeah, know game like pass is really good stuff. yeah it's very good yeah it's one pound at the moment when you sign up mm. um which Ooh, is a, a good well. and then you obviously forget and then pay 10 pound a month but yeah really hashtag good. not yeah. sponsored <laughs> <laughs> it's not no i just downloaded it recently because uh, you'll hate me i was playing uh, xbox games on a microsoft duo 2 Surface Duo 2. It was uh, not an enjoyable experience, uh, but I wanted to try it out. Uh, Thank you. That's cool. Let's keep an eye out for that. And then finally, the last thing, uh, uh, some news that came out yesterday is that Amazon, I know it's not phones, but pretty much everything that connects to your phone, Amazon is holding a hardware event next week on the 28th of September. 
Uh, unlike, yeah. I kind of appreciate it. Unlike all the other tech events, they don't stream it to the public. <laughs> it's only <laughs> streamed or uh, presented to journalists. So it's our job to tell you what they will be announcing. Uh, we when it was it's pitched as a, probably an Echo Fire and Ring event because uh, Amazon yeah. gobbles up every brand in its path. Uh, but yeah, we're thinking <laughs> maybe new Echo devices because we thought the Echo Five would come out last time. So uh, another indescript um, cylinder for the corner of your room. Is that what we're thinking? I can't wait. They, yeah, they, they've not really like done big deviations with the designs, have they? It's more, I mean, maybe it's like a more it's like a little orb now, isn't it? Like a grey yeah. furry orb. Yeah. yeah, with all your data. It's, it's kind of it? changed from that cylinder to yeah, so like a weird orb. Some of them have little clocks built in, but um, I think we should expect weird stuff because that's this is where Amazon announces its weird stuff, isn't it? It's like it's not stuff that it's, it's always kind of like a beta test, and you, it's it's available to like a, a limited number of people in in a, sim, in a certain country. Yeah, just, that's right. Yeah, um, they always do those strange little devices that you can only get like in a couple of regions and then they can them after a few years. Yeah, like I think mm -hmm. last year's one was uh, like an assistant that tells you what to wear. Like it will look at what you're wearing and give you improvements on your fashion. Oh, sure. no. Yeah. yeah, that's a couple of years ago, isn't it? They closed down that, I think. I don't oh, think did you can get that anymore. No. Yeah, there was like this little camera you put in your cupboard and it took pictures of you and told you what to wear. And buy. Absolutely not. No, <laughs> I'm not having that. <laughs> Well, yeah, for more uh, hardware to be outraged at, uh, tune in to Tech Advisor uh, around this time next Wednesday, the 28th, and you will find out what Amazon is trying to flog you this time, if you live in the right place. Yeah. Uh, thank you. That was our pick of the news this week. Uh, so, it's probably one of the biggest reviews of the year, so no pressure, Lewis. How <laughs> have you been getting on the last six days with the iPhone 14 Pro normal size? normal size um do you know what it's really good yeah. like it, <laughs> oh that's it right see you next unsurprisingly week, yep let's do that uh, we're done <laughs> no um you know when when they kind of first announced it, it you know and it looked the same and you know a lot of the differences were kind of internal um yeah people kind of think oh well it's just a, another boring iterative up iterative upgrade but do you know what there's so much that's new here that it just it really does change the the core iphone experience so for those um, who aren't as familiar uh, as some of our listeners may well be, uh, could mm -hmm. you just reel off what is new off the top okay. before, we, before we go in any any deeper? Right. So the big thing, I think, is the Dynamic Island, which is a, an all-new cutout. Gone is the notch. It's now a, an elongated pill shape uh, that floats a few millimeters down from the top of the display. Um, and what why it's so cool... Um, is because it, sh it it shifts its shape depending on what's going on, and it can display icons and, and functions and features, and it kind of brings the annoying cutout on other phones into the software experience to actually do something with it. It's really interesting the way they've done it. Um, but that's not the only display change. It's also the first iPhone that has always-on display tech. Um, and, um, of course, I'm going to say this, but it's way better than the Android version. <laughs> So the two things I would say about these things, and Hannah chime in as well, but I, I, I do like Apple products. I use them when when I can. I try and switch between things. The Dynamic Island is very clever. I hate the name. But yeah. yeah, I hate the name. No <laughs> other Android manufacturer who has, and it's the first time Apple hasn't has had any kind of screen cutout. It's always been a notch yes. or nothing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So it's the first time they've done it, and they've decided to like own it and like make it clever and usable. And I do think that's quite cool. Yes, because um, they don't yeah. try and hide it. Like, you know, most Android manufacturers, they try and go small with the cutouts and stuff like that. Whereas I have Apple now are like, hey, this is here. 
Look at what you can do with so it. So then it's like a pill and a circle that they fill in the middle bit always with black, right? Yes, and the middle bit's always like black. There's this thing contracting and expanding. Yeah, so the outline of it will kind of um, expand um, when you're using Face ID. So it will shift into like a box with the Face ID icon. Um, and then when you swipe up from apps like Music, where there's a shortcut that works with Dynamic Island, it actually gets sucked up into the Dynamic Island. And then the shortcuts expand out of the side. So you've got your icon of what's playing and then you've got like a little uh, kind of like a, a waveform just to show that yeah. it's currently playing and then you can tap and hold that and get access to controls to uh, pause and skip and stuff like that as well without actually having to go into the app which is really nice how many apps does it actually work with outside of apple's own at the moment uh that's a very good question not many <laughs> so i'm presuming this is something mm. that developers are going to have to yes do and we're going to yeah, have to so hope and pray that apple has rules about not putting ads in them yeah, I, I can't imagine. I, mean, I hope not. Anyway, <laughs> I think you know if you got Uber uh, on an iPhone, Uber you can only you know disable or you know turn on uh, yeah. notifications. So obviously I want them on because if I actually get a car, then I want to know it's coming. Yeah. But then half the time I'm just getting pings of like, look at this deal. Use this code. It's really annoying. Hopefully they won't put those in there. <laughs> yeah, because no, the notifications are separate from the Dynamic Island. It's just okay. that the Dynamic Island is for specific functions. It's kind of for like. Um, so it will display timers uh, if you set a timer. When you connect your AirPods, instead of it popping up on that big screen, it will come up. It will just expand at the top and show right. you battery life and icons there. So it kind of just takes a lot of that, the big screen things, and just pushes them up into the, you know, into the top half of the display. So what you're saying is a little like what Android does. The fact you have like a constant display, like notifications in the top bar on Android in the status bar. Is that Apple kind of moving towards something like that? Obviously, I haven't used it myself, but you know what I mean? Like, if you get a text, it just sits up in the Android bar and you can see that it's there. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's totally separate to notifications, most notifications. Like there's, I don't think there's right. much that it can do with notifications at the moment. Um, well, I've seen anyway. <clears throat> it's kind of, so let me just show you an example. Background activity uh, stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's more, yes, it's literally, that's exactly what it is. It's more background activity stuff. So like, let me get a timer up real quick on the phone. So that's the timer on the phone, and then I swipe up there, and then that will then pop up into the right, yeah. island, so I can do stuff like that. When I'm on a phone call, um, that will display there, which is really cool. There's a little waveform that displays in the notch when you're on a call, but rather than just displaying what the receiver's um, setting, it also records your waveform, so you can see like a green and orange waveform to see that you're oh, both yeah. talking and what it's picking up. It's a really nerdy little touch, but I just I love it. <laughs> Um, Apple can do it, can't they? Because they own the whole stack, so they can exactly. afford to do this. Whereas I can see that if any other manufacturer tried to do this on Android, it would be a messy nightmare. It would be, yeah, that's the thing. And um, <laughs> it's going to get better next month because that's when they're going to introduce live activities, which I think is what you were kind of thinking of when you were talking about right. notifications coming through. Um, so they are, instead of getting, your, like you say, all your notifications from Uber when you're ordering an Uber, so like your car's on the way, it'll be two minutes, blah, blah, blah. It will have just a dynamic bar in the dynamic island um, where it will display the current status of, of where your car is and if it's here, if it's outside, ready to go. And it'll be the same thing right. with like um, food delivery apps. So instead of saying orders accepted, drivers on the way to the restaurant, drivers picked it up, drivers on the way, it will just be a, a constant status bar at the top. Have they announced much. like people that they've partnered with for her, for that? Do they have to no. for like no? Um, no, because it's not out yet. It's it's going right. to come out as part of iOS sixteen point one. Uh, they okay. said that all all developers can take advantage of it, and there is an API for it now. So hopefully, once the software mm. update comes out, um, they'll implement these the update these software updates for it. You know, fairly soon after. 
It's very, it's very ballsy, isn't it? What do, you, what do you make of it, Hannah? Is that something that you'd want to be using on a phone? Do you think it's clever, or are we just uh, I, I think I, <laughs> no, I think like, the, and this is somebody who usually is more on the uh, Android side of things, just because I'm more used to those sides of products and stuff. But as you were saying, um, it's actually useful and different to what everybody else is doing at the moment. Um, and I think if it has a function and the way it looks as well, like it, it just makes the the home screen looked cleaner to me when you when you showed it there and you've not even done much by the looks of it in terms of like you know yeah. like organizing your widgets mm. and everything like that so yeah i i think it is a good introduction um the only thing i know this might sound maybe i'm overthinking this but like if say you have um you're a bit older and you have like eyesight problems or whatever would it be problematic for anybody with that or um yeah the icons are fairly small uh, mm. I will say that. So they might. I mean, there are options to boost text size. Um, so maybe that could boost the size of the icons and stuff like that. But that's not something I've experimented with yet. Yeah. Okay. There have been some questions asked actually uh, about accessibility oh, yeah. in terms of this. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Apple's thought about that because normally out of all of the brands, it's the one that's really quite good at that in terms mm -hmm. of how iOS supports that. One question oh, yeah. I had, Lewis, it was uh, something that some other publications have been uh, debating and I wondered whether they were <laughs> making a mountain out of a molehill. But in all of Apple's um, video-based uh, ads for the Dynamic Island, there's mm -hmm. a lot of the kind of expanding, uh, showing something and then popping back in again. Yeah. But, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you tap it, you might expect it to expand, but a tap actually takes you to the app, and you have, yeah. to, you have to press and hold to expand it. That's exactly that's it. The, yeah. Is that is that the right way around, or do you, were you finding yourself tapping to expand and then hopping into an app? Like, how have you found that? Um, I I think for the first day, I was tapping and going to the app by accident. But it's one of those things where you, you kind of get used to it within the first few days. Um, I I haven't really found myself doing it so much in the last few days. Um, and it kind of makes sense uh, for it to be a tap and hold because tap and hold has you know, traditionally been the way on Apple devices that you get access to more options. Um, Rest in peace, Force Touch. Love that. Love Force Touch. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it kind of ties in well with that. So that the tap and hold thing does make sense to me. Interesting. So yeah, and if you have uh, an iPhone 14 normal that has a notch, you do not get this. Nope. And obviously no other iPhone can get this. So if you want this, you yep. have to... Uh, yeah, splash out on a brand yeah. new phone. And so you also mentioned that there's an always-on display. And yes. <laughs> I mean, the best way that I've heard it described, again, this wasn't my original thought. Apple has just said, okay, the screen is just always on. <laughs> yeah, that's literally <laughs> what it is. always on on Android phones doesn't actually really mean that, does it? It just yeah. means like we've put the time in white. Exactly. This, yeah, that, so. this looks like you've basically. Have you keep? Do you keep looking at your phone, thinking that you've not for the it? first for the first two days? I thought that my because it, the effect is similar to what happens when you put on like a do not disturb um, um, focus and the screen slightly yeah. dims. It's a very similar yeah. effect to that. Yeah, it's a very similar effect to that, but it's just always there. So I thought for ages my screen was on a do not disturb or like it was just oddly turned on. Because uh, yeah, this. Let me write. So this is what it's like normally, and then that's the always on version. Sorry, audio oh. listeners, but it basically just yeah, sorry. dims everything. Yeah, so uh, it, it dims the it dims the brightness. Uh, it takes away a bit of the color, but there is still a surprising amount of color there to be had in your wallpaper. Uh, you retain full access to your widgets and your time and any notifications, and you're now playing. It's literally the entire lock screen um, just always on. Can I ask a question about that though? So I'm assuming you can toggle this on and off if you want to, right? 
Yeah, there is. A, so I'm pretty sure there is. Yeah. If you have it on, do you know from your testing does it really affect battery life? Is there no. a difference? It doesn't. There is. Okay. There is. I mean, you, you're talking kind of like one or two percent over the course of like four or five hours. Like it's yeah. just because it because the screen has been upgraded, it can now drop down to one hertz refresh rate, and oh, that's kind of right, that's basically yeah. what's happening yeah. here. It's just dropping down to the lowest level possible. And Apple said in the that it basically pre-renders the times and stuff like that. Um, that it thinks it is going to display while it's off so that it uses even less power when that always on displays on. Uh, I don't really know how much difference that makes, but, you know, that's what they say. <laughs> is it a bit like, because uh, I've used an Apple Watch with an always on display, which does a similar thing, puts it right yeah. down to one hertz. And so one thing I did notice um, was that, for instance, uh, I had a timer on and then when the screen turned off and I looked down, it was like, it doesn't display the seconds because obviously an Apple Watch yeah, yeah, refreshes yeah. every few <clears throat> seconds. Does it do that sort of thing? So like a, a timer. Yeah, it's, it's the like same this. thing. It says three, yeah. but it won't say the seconds. I see. Yeah. So then you can just right. still, I mean, I'm really in the weeds here. That's still pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't really care for always on display tech on Android. It was kind of like, yeah, it's there. It's fine. I, I usually turned it off because I was just like, I don't really care if I'd see the time. But now I've had this. I feel like I'm spoiled. And I, I I can't go back to like an iPhone. I can't go back to a phone without this on it now. And I'm just like, this is what an always-on display should look like, really. It's it's probably not the same, but I got to test out um, uh, what is it? Um, Android's uh, Oppo's version of Android 13. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah on the find yeah <laughs> on the Find X5 Pro, and that had um, different on always-on display tech. Um, and one of the things that we're going to introduce was that like, you know, app notifications, like if you had like food delivery on the way, you'd be yeah. able to like tap that, but without opening the phone and stuff like that. Same with like Spotify playback and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know how widely spread that is across others, but yeah, it was just something that I'd noticed because yeah, I'm the same. I don't really normally care for always on display tech. Oh, yeah. I use them all the time on every Android phone. If it's got it, I'll have it. But normally a pretty simple one just to see the time and yeah. um, see what like the little notification icons to see what's come in. Uh, yeah, but this sounds very, very Apple. It's like just it dim is. the screen uh, and then, yeah, just light it up when you need it. Um, mm -hmm. Sounds cool. Again, they could bring this to the 13 Pro. They could. But they're not going to. No, well, it won't be as power efficient because it'll only drop down to ten hertz on the thirteen. Because the right. one hertz thing is new. one, does it? Yeah, yeah fair. Um, so maybe that is one thing because they're just like, well, we don't want to mess with the battery life, and maybe. have people complain that but Apple we're does enjoy their <laughs> not pushing software updates. To exactly. Mm. Let's be real. Definitely yeah, <laughs> that, that's yeah. the real reason. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. They could they could have just as easily implemented Dynamic Island on the Face ID notch if they mm. wanted to. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to do that. <laughs> Not, it's a good no. way for them to upsell you to the pro. And I'm sure there's a ton of other things, Lewis. Uh, and please do tell us about them. But I do <laughs> want to ask you about the camera as well, because it's the first time we've yes. seen a 48 megapixel camera in an iPhone. It's always been 48. 12 until now. Well, yeah. since like 2016 so, or even earlier. So what, what, is it, what is it like? Is it is it worth the hype? It's 48 megapixels. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, it's um, there is a, a noticeable jump, I find, in the pictures I'm taking. Um so what it does is it's got 48 megapixels, but it uses the same kind of tech that Android uh, manufacturers do, where it uses pixel binning tech. So it takes four pixels, combines them into one larger pixel to increase the amount of light and the detail captured, and then outputs that image at 12 meg, just like the old iPhones. So the yep. final image size shouldn't change uh, compared to like your older iPhone. So it's not going to take up any extra space, which is nice. Mm -hmm. But what you do get is, like I say, a better low light performance, um, and you get extra added detail. And 
to, and it's also got a larger sensor and larger pixels anyway, so the low light performance really is a particular focus uh, for Apple this year. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> um, what I do like about Apple's low light photography is that because you've got the LiDAR sensor on the back, so obviously there's not a lot of light in these scenarios. So some phones tend to struggle to find that focal point, whereas mm. um, as long as you're in a few meters of your subject on the iPhone, it will always snap. So it will be just as if it's taking a picture in the daytime like because it uses LiDAR and that doesn't need light. What it does, but not visible yeah, yeah. light. <laughs> um, so yeah, I found that like my nighttime photos were always kind of nailing it on the focus. Um, what I will say is they don't tend to kind of add extra light like you see on Android. You know, where where you'll take a picture at night and it will be so much more than what you can see uh, with your naked eye. I think it's kind of more in line with what I was seeing, um, and I think that's kind of um, intentional from Apple because uh, I think yeah. they kind of want to yeah. go more for the photographers and stuff like that rather than just going all in on sucking in all the light that you can yeah that's um, interesting because is that, is that maybe a slightly new thing because i mean i've used night mode on some older iphones and it has kind of tended to brighten the scene yeah. it's one of those things we've talked about i think on the podcast before where you're kind of it's one of the things in uh um camera cameras on phones where you're at the mercy of the decision of the manufacturer a lot yeah. of phones you can't like there's no sliding scale to say like lifelike or like you know a thousand torches on no yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think um what you can do if you do want to have a little bit more control over your photos obviously you've got the way you can edit them manually you know you can do uh, manual shooting mode and you've also got pro raw uh, which is apple's raw format technology that allows you to take 48 megapixel raw shots um and because it captures more detail than a standard jpeg these are all uncompressed you can then edit them either in the photos app or on photoshop or whatever and you can then boost the shadows and, and kind of change the contrast to how you like it. And I found mm -hmm. that was actually really good um, for environments where there was kind of really light spots and really dark spots. Because Apple says that there's an improvement in its dynamic range. And, you know, yeah, in, in a, on a standard sunny day, you can see the sky just as well. You can see the stuff in the shadows. But where the light is more harsh, um, Apple just tends to crunch down those sh shadows into just blacks where there's nothing in them. Uh, so, But we shoot with the Pro Raw, I can kind of boost that back up and you get a bit more detail. So if you are kind of messing around with kind of professional level uh, shots, then Pro Raw is definitely the way to go there. Um, so that's the main sensor. Uh, what's, what's cool about it, actually, before I move on, is that because it's now higher resolution, Apple can also provide a two times telephoto using the main yep. lens just by cropping in and getting the, the central 12 uh, megapixels. So it's still a, a, a standard res image, uh, but you've now got a two times zoom without having a two times lens. And then so the telephoto yeah. goes to three, does it? Telephoto still goes to three, yeah, um, which is a little bit of a disappointment. I was hoping to see a little bit more of a jump there, especially considering you've got up to 10 times on the Android side and, you know, 100 times when it comes to the digital zoomer. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's got up to 15 times digital zoom. Um, and I did zoom in and take some pictures and they were all right. You know, they were passable for, for, for you know, 15 times crop, but nothing on the optical side, really. Interesting. So it sounds like quite a lot of upgrades, uh, considering, um, given that the 13 Pro was already pretty decent. Yeah. Um, are there, there any other observations you have about the phone? And dare I ask, apart from the price, which we'll talk about in a minute, are there, is there anything you, you didn't like about it? Uh, so let's just talk quickly about the A16 Dynamic, because that yeah. thing is insanely fast. Like, <laughs> I've, I've been benchmarking it today, and it's just, in the CPU department in particular, it's just leaving the Android competition so far in the dust like we're talking yeah. like a gap of like 1500 to 2000 points in in geekbench 5 um 
which kind of explains why they are limiting the A16 to the Pros this year. So the mm -hmm. standard iPhone 14 and the 14 Plus have last year's A15 again, but the Pro version with an extra GPU core. Um, so yeah, it's it's stupidly fast. It was not going to slow down anytime soon. And it also allows you to do things like edit ProRes videos in the Photos app just on the fly. And you Okay, can... that's what I was going to ask you, because I'm presuming, like, you've just come from a 13 Pro, like, is not real any is there really any day-to-day -day differences no. or is it when you go to do something like edit an insanely it's, large file yeah there are the you get slightly quicker rendering times and stuff like that when you put stuff together but that is really only at the pro res kind of high quality high video you know high quality video um end of things when you're just playing games and just browsing twitter and stuff like that there's no difference like it's it, they're just as fast as each other it's just okay this one is slightly more future proof for when apps and games start demanding more from the chipsets Mm -hmm. um bad thing i would probably say i mean it's bad for me not bad for everybody else <clears throat> and it's battery life um i will caveat this by saying i've just come from a 13 pro max and obviously the pro max has a quite a bit larger battery than the pro versions do and i have been spoiled by that for the last year so going down right. to the pro i was always going to be a little bit disappointed by the battery um and for the first few days it was pretty bad uh, like I was getting to the end of the day and needing to top it up before I, I hit I got to bed um, but I kind of put that down to background indexing because it has to index all your data when you first set up a new iPhone and that does take a few days in the background uh, the last few days it has been better yesterday I hammered it just all evening I was on the phone and it got down to about 10% by the time I went to bed at one o'clock in the morning um, and that's I watched a TikTok live stream for three hours <laughs> so <laughs> it's done pretty well so I'm, what I'm finding now is um is that I'm trying? I'm basically getting around ten hours of use uh, split between screen on and screen off um, okay. per day, which I think is fine for most people. Um, with light use, it's really good on standby. When I'm not using it, that battery drips down so slowly. So if you are a light user, you could potentially squeeze two days out of it. But for me, um, I I felt I had to limit what I was doing sometimes just mm. to preserve the battery life, just to make sure that I was going to get through till bedtime without needing a charge. Um, well, they it's something that they they did improve right because they were i seem to think like a few years ago it was yeah. always like a, a down point and then it seemed like the problem had been solved but yeah. i don't know whether we've gone a step backwards or whether I mean, it's I, just the fact that you've gone from a max to a pro I, I i think going from a max to the pro is a big part of it because i've looked at other people's reviews and what they're saying and everyone is generally impressed with the battery life it's just mm. i know that there's better <laughs> from yeah. the bigger model um, it's just so, yeah. hard when you when you go from something that has a massive battery life to something that doesn't you're like oh Honestly, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I think i hit like the low power mode on my 13 pro max about three or four times in the year that i used it and i've had to put it, this phone on low power mode basically every day <laughs> since mm, i've got wow. it um so yeah battery life could be better but yeah like i say that's that's just for power users you know my my uh, my usage is definitely not average i use my phone quite a lot uh so if you're not like me you could probably get a solid day out of it and maybe a little bit more but then my question would be if you're not like you and you know you, you only use your phone for two hours a day do you yeah. need an iphone 14 pro that is also a very good question yeah but if money think... is no object then it does sound like very future-proofed very good battery life phone is, very good yeah. camera so yeah yeah, it's a solid upgrade. It's really, yeah, uh, you know, despite the fact that it's visually not changed that lot that much, the the insides are just totally different. And you didn't get the purple one, am I correct? You had a sadly not. No, oh. got the. I did. I did get the real. I, I love this black finish at like the midnight finish. It's just 
like really nice new color black, for this year. Black, is yeah. It? Yep. So it's a completely like a really dark black on the stainless steel band, and it's kind of like a matte black on the rear. Um, and yep. then I've got the there's a series eight here that I got sent earlier, and that is also midnight. So I've got matching. <laughs> this is our Apple man. We will have hopefully an iPhone 14 Pro review coming soon, and then yes, as you he has just teased an Apple Watch Series 8 review uh, in the coming weeks. Nice. Oh one. yeah. Uh, any closing thoughts on that before we move on? Um, I really yeah. I think if you're looking for you know the top quality iPhone experience, this is the one to go for. I think especially with the price rise this year. Usually, I'd recommend the Pro Max to people because it's not that much more, but because in the UK, at least, the price has jumped by 150 quid. Um, I think the Pro is the one to go for if you're looking at a Pro model. Cool. Thank you very much. That's one of our biggest reviews of the year. So thanks Ooh. for sticking in with us, listeners and viewers. <laughs> nice one, Lewis. That will be up very soon on techadvisor.com for the full rundown. You can look at camera samples and all the nitty gritty. Uh, as Lewis mentioned there, he led us very successfully into our second topic of the day, uh, which is price rises. Now, this is something that we're basing off of the iPhone, but extends to other products as well. So again, Apple made a big deal of the fact that there's no price difference between the 13 Pro and the 13, or the 13 and the 14 in the US. But obviously, we live in the world, and there were price <laughs> differences uh, across the board, for uh, particularly in the UK, which we will concentrate on. But I'm sure you can let us know in the chat if you're watching live, if you're seeing price rises this year as well. But yeah, 150 pound difference that is a lot, I think. That is a year. lot. That is um, a lot. You do get the dynamic island and, you know, the new camera and everything, so perhaps they can fall back on hardware upgrades. But for instance, no. between the 13 and the 14, the regular ones, we'll just know, uh, there's a £70 difference in the UK. Yeah. So that's a lot of money to be spending uh, on, uh, on these things in the first place. And why do we think? Are we really blaming uh, Brexit, cost of living crisis, like, I mean, Ukraine war is also potentially coming to play here in terms of scarcity of parts. Um, I just... Why are we losing out here? I I don't know. <laughs> I think it's going to, we're going to need to, we're going to need an economic genius to come in here and explain this to us. But, yeah, you know, for me, £150 is a, is a big jump, you know, and you, I don't think you can, you can justify that on, on currency fluctuation alone. Like there is definitely more was, at play there was there in previous models a way that the uk was benefiting compared to the us um yeah like there was so maybe yeah. are we are we now even or Reaping are we losing out yeah, yeah. We're losing out massive. so <laughs> yeah. last year so for context the uh the iphone yeah. 13 pro um came in at 949 pounds and 999 dollars uh so this year it's the same 999 dollars but now it's 1099 pounds which was the price of the Pro Max previously. So you mm -hmm. could have had that Pro Max, that sweet, sweet big battery, but now you're stuck with the Pro instead. <laughs> it always depended, didn't it? Because we will caveat it with the fact that these US prices are also before crazy US tax. Yes. So uh, it mm. will be, you know, but um, yeah, it used to be that the iPhone was just the same in pounds as it was in uh, dollars and a very close uh, Euro pricing as well. Yeah. But it just seemed remarkable to me that that was so much more this year. Um, obviously a lot of people buy their phones on contract. So, you know, if you have a look around, I had a look today and you can, I'm on Sky uh, TV that is, and I'm being pushed, you know, the iPhone 14 Pro, the exact, or maybe one with slightly less storage than Lewis reviewed, but it's like <laughs> under 40 pounds a month with no upfront cost. So yeah. I'm not going to do it because 
I need to eat, but uh, subsidies <laughs> will will be in play here. But when you look at how much Apple is able to now charge for things, um, yeah, it's a little bit scary. And then we also saw, again, a UK observation, but uh, an observation nonetheless, that the everyone's <laughs> Lewis's favorite iPhone, the uh, iPhone SE two, <sighs> uh, <laughs> that went up by thirty pounds. It was very quietly. Kind of, Apple yeah. closes its uh, Apple store. I know they. Tim got, didn't do a big presentation for that one, did he? <laughs> no, he did not. I, I believe I've got that price rise correct, but I'm I'm pretty sure that the base iPhone SE is now £449. Yikes. Uh, which is a bit of a rise. It's £50 rise on you know the original um, and the uh, second generation SE up £50. So if you want to get Apple's cheapest phone, you know, £50 price rise on a product that was originally £400 is actually even more noticeable. I'll give you one that is US as well as the UK. Um, that will be the Oculus Quest 2. That rose in July it was. So that was 299 both in dollars and pounds. Uh, it still matches now, but it's now 399 um, which sucks. So um, yeah, that's, that, was that was the crazy, crazy rise. That was the original price of the first gen Quest. Um, and then they brought it down to kind of make the second gen a lot more tempting. I think they've got to the point now where they've got enough users and they're like, right, we actually need to break even. Because <laughs> I think, yeah, mm. there's someone that they, you know, they're not making money on any of these headsets at any point. It's just the data that Facebook harvests from you while you're using it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, they're yeah. just, they've. They've uh, they, yeah they knocked the prices up by a hundred quid and a hundred dollars. Well, you, you, you raise a, you raise a good point there because obviously yeah uh, sometimes they do not make money on these products and it is the data that they're getting. You know we've just talked about Amazon's event next week. Why do you think the Echoes are always on sale for like a tenner? Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Apple does make uh, margin and profit on every iPhone it sells, which is why they're so expensive. So yeah, Tim Tim Cook will never uh, never let us know his supply chain secrets, but there must be. <laughs> Something going on there for the iPhones to go up, you know, around 100 to 150 pounds because mm-hmm. uh, they still need to make uh, that profit somewhere. There was another one that I noticed as well this week, not quite such a uh, high rise, but it, I, I think it was notable because it was so vague. And that was uh, the smartwatch brand Withings. They oh, yeah. put a general notice on their website and sent out PR emails saying that um, some of their, pro- I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but this isn't far off. Some of our products will go up around twenty to thirty US dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you for that. Which was very vague, but then they blamed, you know, the, all the things you'd expect, you know, cost yep. of parts, scarcity, things like that. So, however, brands are dealing with it, they are having to now, being, or they're given the confidence at least from some of these bigger brands that we're like, oh, we can charge more if we're having to pay more ourselves. What about, I guess, Lewis, you're probably more of an expert in this area, uh, but the PlayStation 5 um, going yeah. up in the UK and Europe. So it's £30 in the UK and €50 Euros in Europe, but not right. in the US. So yeah. what, what, what was that all about? I just, you know, I think with, with Apple and a lot of these companies, they're just so US focused that that's their core audience and they're the audience they want to keep happiest. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just think that the US is number one, everyone else is number two. So as long as the US customers are happy and they look like they're getting the best deal, then everyone else can kind of just... Yeah, like none of these things are confirmed, <laughs> obviously, but that's a really good theory because I'm thinking about all these products we're talking about and none of them are manufactured in the US. It's not nope. like nope. they're saving on import uh, costs. Um, yeah, it, I just... It's, yeah. Yeah, and you know, like, like, yeah. So we had the the PS5. Um, obviously, PS5 has always been in short supply because of the, um, the chip shortages that have been, you know causing havoc for the last few years but we're kind of at the end of that now so i think a lot of people were kind of looking forward to actually having 
more plentiful stock. Well, I mean, I suppose there will be more plentiful stock now because it's more expensive. But mm. um, yeah, it, it does just feel like that a lot of these companies are just prioritizing keeping the US fan base happy. Mm. Um, because, well, one yeah. place that that doesn't apply, although I do agree with you, and maybe Hannah, you can help me speak to this because you cover a lot of streaming uh, stuff for us on TechAdvisor, <laughs> is the recent uh, quite oh, significant, I would say, price rise for Amazon prime yeah so amazon prime uh this went up on i think it was the 15th of september um just just finding the price that it rose by yeah so now amazon prime costs uh 8.99 per month it used to to cost 7.99 and uh 95 pounds per year whereas it used to cost 79 pounds uh per year um yeah, it's that they cited a number of reasons at the time because they announced this back in the summer. They said like the usual inflation, blah, 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 blah. They also used uh, the cost of uh, creative projects. So their streaming services. And I'm assuming this rings. is referring to <laughs> Rings of Power because that is uh, the most expensive TV show ever created. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head right now, but it was insane. It was in- insane. Yeah. I, I, I think I wrote it. I'll see if I can find it. I, I definitely wrote a buffer article Sidebar. about it. Sidebar. Have you watched it? I've not. Um, yeah. I don't like it. And I love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, really? I turned off the second episode because I got bored. Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing people like that. They like the first few episodes, but now I'm hearing some people are saying that, House of the Dragon is better, apparently. Um, so again, another one either. I've not watched yet. I'm waiting until more episodes are out, and then I'm going to binge it, give it a binge. Uh, maybe it's because the expectations for House of the Dragon are so low yeah. <laughs> that people are being yeah. like pleasantly surprised and forgot like what Game of Thrones was like when it was good. I think maybe that's why uh, my expectations were so high for Rings of Power and like this is shot it, in yeah. New Zealand, and I was yeah. living there when it was being shot, and one of my friends worked on it, and it was all hush-hush, and she literally couldn't talk about it because otherwise Jeff Bezos would come around and chop her head off. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Maybe I just miss Frodo. He's not even alive yet. And... Um, it's very slick and stylized and there's like more overt humor in there as well, which maybe mm. kind of relates more to the, the style of the Hobbit films, uh, which I also mm. didn't love. But Interesting. Um, anyway. Anyway, um, so yeah, the, the production of the first season alone apparently cost $399 million, um, And then there was also several more million spent on promotion, mm. uh, $250 million spent on promotion. Several um, more. <laughs> yeah, several more. Uh, and... Uh, Basically, Vanity Fair predicts that if it runs for the five seasons, which it's predicted to, so it probably will, um, it will cost over a billion dollars. Um, so that's why your Amazon Prime costs more, basically. No, <laughs> joking, but like, yeah, it's, it, it feels it, like it, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's well, um, exactly because it's not a physical product that they're that they're having to put together like the uh, the iPhone is. You know, no. you're, you're pretty bang on there if you raise the annual cost by 20 pounds and it has gone up in the states as well right yeah it went went, went up in the states um earlier this year i think it was in like march of this year by Mm. by a similar amount um i don't know if we're like on par now i think they might be paying slightly more but amazon prime in the u.s includes like more benefits um they include like food delivery and some other stuff so yeah Yeah. it's um (laughs) yeah it's not ideal um especially considering that Netflix rose its prices earlier on and yep. they saw a massive drop in subscribers when that happened. They were already seeing a decline and then they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to rise them. And yeah, I think in the US, Netflix is $20 per month on the most expensive plan, which is just crazy. Um, 
And then the other one is, uh, it's not happened yet, and it's only confirmed for the US, but it's almost certainly coming to the UK, is that Disney Plus will be rising its prices because they're introducing a ad-supported tier. Uh, so that's going to take the current tier, so that's seven ninety nine. No. Yeah. Um, and oh the other one is think is going to be uh let me see is it 10.99 yeah 10.99 so that's in dollars but i i bet you anything that it will almost certainly be the same in the uk Mm -hmm. uh yeah how can you charge money and still have ads that's so dumb give me a free Mm -hmm. ad tier and a paid premium like that's just outrageous like i can't i can't really borks doesn't it so the question i wanted to ask you uh just as we wrap up this uh section but i've actually got two questions uh but why why do you think we're so outraged now about these price rises like it's it's not exactly a new thing for products uh or you know services to to gradually creep up in price as people, we, people get used to paying them is it do you think it's because there are so many now that yeah. you know mm. you, you know i haven't watched house of dragon because you know i don't pay for prime or, or, or wait do i yes i do see i can't even remember <laughs> what's on what so i've got yeah. all the rings haven't got the dragon one uh someone asked me if i watched something i haven't got that and you know when it actually adds up originally when it was just netflix you were like you know six quid a month and i can watch like aura i'm like, great and then yeah now it's like I've got to pay forty quid a month if I want to potentially watch some things. Like, is it because they're all TV's changing and it's all too expensive? I th- Why are I th- we so outraged now? I think that definitely does play into it, and I think also, so Netflix really shot themselves in the foot because around the same time that they announced the price rise, they also said that they're cracking down on password sharing. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it was like yeah. the way that a lot of people pay for Netflix is they split the cost amongst households, and that's. Yeah pretty common i think along a lot of uh, streaming services and it's like well if they're gonna do it does that mean that others are gonna do it like do you know what i mean if they find a uh, a system that works they've they've tested it out so far and it seems to not really be working very well from Good. what i've heard um yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like yeah um i think yeah that is problematic when it's you know when you, the costs just rack up and i think especially now with the fact that everything else is just you know you're thinking well, about it, yeah. you know when you're going to the shops what you're having to buy people are you know like aldi has now just uh, overtaken i think it's morrison's in becoming mm. like the most the fourth most popular supermarket in the uk and i think that is because it's cheaper to shop cheap. there so yeah, it's yeah it's just you know <laughs> it's it's annoying when you're seeing these massive companies um and you know that they're obviously probably raking it in mm. um yeah, they're not making. That's it. They're not losing money. They just want more money to be in line with inflation. Like that's yeah. that's really what it comes down to, and it's just so frustrating. Yeah, I think it's like what you, like you were saying because it's it's just so compounded at the moment because you've got you know the hike of energy and and, and 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 you know interest rates and just everything is going up. So then to then see like your you know your little creature comforts like your little Netflix or you know your Amazon Prime, your little guilty pleasures to also go up. Because, and even, yeah, and like you say, it's not a physical product with a lot of these. It just feels like a bit of a slap in the face. Mm. So very briefly, I know it kind of depends on somebody's taste in uh, shows or what have you. But if someone was looking to save money, or it could, could be another reason why I think it's a good deal, which streaming service do you think is most attractive at the moment and why? It's clearly not Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give a top tip because I've literally just done this. Um, if your contract's up for renewal, have a look on O2 because they're giving away six months of Disney+. Plus. So yeah, I've Sam, got Samsung six as well. 
if you yeah, need so a new Samsung really phone, good. they give it away like yeah, six months or 12 so, months. So yeah, just keep a lookout for like um, the free six month subscription because now, yeah, I don't have to pay Disney Plus for the next six months yeah. and it's just I part also of my contract. I don't pay for Netflix because I uh, started a new Sky TV contract, which I got uh, on sale and then it has uh, free Netflix permanently. So Oh, really? One way mm. of doing it if you get Sky Broadband and the TV package. Wow, that is um, impressive. Mm. so now i pay for something else but then i'm still looking at that thinking like i can't afford this yeah (laughs) i think i think one thing to remember is that it it really depends on well you know it obviously depends on your taste but like there are for most of these there are no p uh you don't you won't be penalized if you cancel and there is a lot of the time no incentive to sign up so if you are wanting to be savvy just try and work out like what you want to see each month and then sign up for one thing one month, cancel. Yeah. Sign up to another, cancel. Like You will lose nothing by doing yeah. that. And it's so, not even that hard to do it. Um, that is probably the best tip, actually, because we get very lazy. And uh, am I correct in thinking that if you signed up, you could then literally the next thing you could do is go and then cancel it and you'll have absolutely for yeah. a month. For, yeah. for most of them, yeah. And, and for some of them... Um, unfortunately you will have just missed the window but they may offer this again but Disney Plus for example they offered um, a month of streaming for one ninety nine on yep. Disney Plus day for a month um, so like yeah and that was for new and existing customers so if you'd like cancelled Disney Plus and you were like hey I want to watch Andor or She-Hulk you could just sign up for that and then cancel because there's not too much happening over the Christmas yeah. period Maybe that's the way to do it. Wait until a series has been fully dropped because uh, yeah. Netflix is currently, I think, one of the only ones who actually puts the whole season up at once. We're reverting back now. See, TV did have it right originally. You have to <laughs> wait for every episode. But yeah, as you say, Hannah, wait till it's all piled on there. Pay your fee for one month, binge it, and then cancel it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. thanks very much for those tips. That was a good uh, way to spin a quite negative section about how much everything costs at the moment (laughs) not left us with too much time but we do want to speak about another interesting phone given this is a generally phony podcast and hannah you were at oppo reno 8 pro launch in paris i believe yes i was yeah very very kindly invited along to see the uh, reno 8 line uh make its european debut because it uh it's already been in uh china and a few other markets before that and so it's £599, and we won't go on about the price, but it's randomly €799, Euros, which yep. doesn't seem to work out for Europeans, I'm afraid. No, I don't think many other European journalists in the press room were very happy <laughs> about that one. But, um... Over, over <laughs> yeah. here on uh, Brexit Hell Island, it's only £599. <laughs> so, um, yeah, to round off the pod, would you kindly let us know what do you think of this phone? Is it is it a decent mid-range option from Oppo? Like you showed me it in the office the other day, and it looks like a very premium phone, actually, at first glance. Yeah. So yeah, I like this phone. Yeah. Um, and it does, like you say, the build of it is extremely premium. And Oppo for me has always had really good looking phones, um, you know, in both its flagship and its mid range. Um, it's got this sort of uh, glass back with this quite large camera module, but somehow it works like with the design language um, and these nice curved edges. The, the biggest thing I noticed with the design is that because it's a glass back, it's quite slippery. And Oppo has decided, uh, allegedly for environmental reasons, to not include a case in the box. Um, uh, right. So often I would just be sitting watching telly and then my phone would take a leap of faith off the sofa because it would slide because <laughs> it, it's glass. And I, it, it kept happening all the time. And I was like, God, this is really annoying. Man. I don't want it to like, you know break or anything because it hits the floor but um, it didn't break it didn't break it didn't break um it it was uh it was all good on that front 
Uh, it does also have like a IP54 rating, so like it can take the odd splash, but obviously don't go using it in the pool. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, um, it also has a really like lovely display uh, with a 120 hertz refresh rate. Um, you can either toggle that to 60 hertz. No dynamic re- refresh rate on this, but okay. I mean, yeah, I mean mid-range phones they make sacrifices it somewhere, but yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, um, yeah, that's just one of those things, unfortunately. But the the screen itself is really good. It feels uh, it feels silky smooth. It's really responsive. Looks really good for a lot of things. Um, and also the performance on this is really good. Um, so it had comes with eight gig of RAM, two hundred fifty six gig worth of storage, uh, and that's the only configuration you can get it in. Oh yeah. Um, and it comes with a MediaTek Dimensity eight thousand one hundred uh, max. Okay, so uh, this, this is interesting for for us nerds. So it's a Dimensity <laughs> uh, mid ranger, and we're seeing loads <laughs> more of those this year. Um, I mean, performance wise, you were suggesting there it, it's, it's it's good and. Um, maybe there's some some costing thing going on there that's yeah, <laughs> screwing could... over Europe, but um, working out for the UK. But that's cool that there's a domestic in there, and um, yeah, didn't miss any Snapdragon, I presume. No, I mean when I, when I did uh, on the benchmarking tests on my review um, on the Geekbench Five, it actually outperformed the Find X Five range. Um, so oh, that's right. um, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's you know it's obviously clearly a a decent chip and you're not really compromising on performance there and like in day-to-day use it, it feels really fast to use and you can multi- multitask pretty easily and even even do a little bit of light gaming on it but don't, don't obviously be expecting <laughs> if, if this is not the phone for that really if no, you want to see that <laughs> no and actually one thing i was surprised by so it's only got um a four four thousand five hundred milliamp per hour battery um so i was like i'm not going to be impressed by this at all but it lasted longer than i thought i would say i, I could take it to about you know like a day and a half um yes. which was surprising and that was extra surprising with the fact that it has 80 watt fast charging because again mm. i find when phones go quite big on these really speedy charging a lot of the time they sacrifice on the battery but yeah. it was actually yeah. not bad at all um and yeah i think you can juice it to nearly full in 30 minutes so were we discussing That's... as well that uh, given that Oppo and OnePlus are both owned by BBK Group, this is very similar to a particular OnePlus phone, isn't it, in terms of specs? Yes, I think it's the one. Let me check. Ten... I think is it it's OnePlus the... 10R. I think it is the 10R. Yeah, which, it... which correct is... me if I'm wrong. It's India only, right? That one. It is indeed. You're correct. Yeah. yeah. So um... I was thinking, like, there's quite a lot of uh, parts sharing here, and the designs. I think the Oppo is the more attractive de- uh, yeah. device, though. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, percent. So yeah, the 10R's got this sort of odd like it's like split in half and one half is like sort of got this grilly texture and the other one's just smoother i don't really mm. like it myself um i much prefer the look of the oppo one it's much and more glossy and yeah the oppo being glass though does it have wireless charging or is this purely aesthetic? no wireless charging no wireless charging so again that is another yeah. sacrifice for the price um camera wise good um it's got the mary silicon x mpu so that's oppo's dedicated image processor i was really surprised that it had that for this price yeah mm-hmm. the mid-ranger that's impressive yeah so really what, impressive what do they claim here it's just like added um processor for imaging basically yeah they, they mainly said it was for light so things such as like uh low light uh being able to bring in more colors um as well as like if something was too bright um and on photography i definitely noticed it um they made a big point about videography and i did test this out but i didn't really like it did lift colors Mm. but it wasn't like you know whoa like (laughs) i think i think that was the way they were sort of billing it and i was like oh it is quite a 
quite a niche thing to bill, I would say. I don't know how many people are taking videos of a night. I feel like that is, you know. But regardless, it's a a solid camera on the main lens. Uh, The ultra-wide and the macro, not quite as good, unfortunately. Um, But Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, it's... (laughs) You know, when when you when you've got um a main a main camera that's pretty good as this, then this is this is good. Um, yeah, it runs on ColorOS twelve point one, so that's Android twelve. It will get Android thirteen, but that won't be until uh probably beginning of next year, I imagine. Um, it sounds like an interesting. I mean, it's an interesting time for mid range phones anyway. And like I was just kind of thinking as you were talking there about like you know the sacrifices that mid range phones make. But then we look to like, you know, even two years ago and this phone would not have had 120 hertz display. No. It wouldn't have had 80 watt fast charging. And so I'm just wondering, like we're talking about like, you know, it has all the um, well, many of the features of the flagship phones. How long are we thinking before it trickles down completely and then you're going to get a phone for five or six hundred pounds that has wireless charging, you know, and that has a decent ultra wide camera? It's got to be coming because that's how yeah. technology kind of works, right? Yeah, I mean, some somebody actually asked a question at the... Uh, so we had a, a briefing with the sort of president of sales and somebody did ask, like, it's got a lot of features of the Find X5 here. So, like, why... You know, so people will be asking, like, why would I go for something that's, you know, a couple more hundred pounds expensive when this has a lot of the features? So you've, you've got to consider, I guess, you know, how much these little things like wireless charging go... Uh, what was the guy's response? He said that basically the Fine X5 is for the range, is for the like enthusiasts, the real tech enthusiasts who want all the bells and whistles and the people mm-hmm. who are into those sorts of things. Whereas the mid ranges are for the people who are looking more at their budget and want to be able, uh, are willing basically to forego certain things. And I mean, I guess we all look at phones probably a bit differently than say the average person would. Uh, yeah, we're all like you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, look at this thing, and I'm like, what? But does it make calls? And but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, solidly, it is a really good phone. So it is five nine nine. So the thing is, is that in the mid range space, there are some competition to be had, um, and, and as I think it, it's tough because. Some make sacrifices elsewhere. So, like for example, I put in the review that the you could opt for the Pixel Six for mm. a similar price, but and that has wireless charging and a great set of cameras. Um, and to like yeah. mold all of our well, our last topic and this topic together, the Pixel Seven is just around the corner as well. And if that's five nine nine, I mean, it's surely that's going to be the one to go for over the Oppo. But I'm I'm wondering whether or not that that phone will cost more. Mm, yeah I, I, seen. not in the us <laughs> no <laughs> no it will You're be right 20 pounds 20 dollars <laughs> even <laughs> well you can't buy oppo phones anyway in the US. no you can't buy them in the us if you wanted to get it in the us you'd have to get it imported unfortunately um yeah and no, i don't i don't see that changing anytime soon um but yeah. i think with the mid-range market it's more about working out what you want from a phone and then finding that Rather than mm, yeah. wanting a phone that does all of it, because you're not going to find a phone with good cameras, good display, good performance, you know, and that looks good. It's going to be a handful of those and, and a handful of things that it just aren't. So yeah, so like you know, it depends on if you want the cameras, you go for blah. If you want you know display and you want performance, you go for blah. It's just yeah, and it's only when you get to flagship level that you can really start being greedy and be like, well, I want the display and I want the cameras and I want the performance. Because uh, yeah. you're paying over a thousand pounds for it, <laughs> and I think it's 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 when you look at like the flagship, but well, maybe not the like the pro versions, but I think a lot of people they will buy either 
the S range of Samsung or the new iPhone just because they're looped into that contract thing. And they'll yeah. be told all these things. It's like, yeah, I've got it. But they might not make use of all the features, like half the features on there. So, mm. yeah, I think there's definitely space in with these mid-range phones to be able to, you know, especially with people looking at curbing costs, yeah. um, if you yeah, wanted totally. to buy it. Yeah. I still don't know where I stand on whether or not to recommend that people should buy a mid-range phone for like 20 quid a month and spend less over a few months or buy it up front, because I suppose it depends mm. how much money you've got to spare at the time. Well, exactly. Sorry, Lewis, yeah. you were going to you were gonna say something there, Lewis, sorry. Uh, i completely gone blank and I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No worries. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's hard, isn't it? I think a lot of the time it's looking also at the length of the contract, um, because like if you get stuck in, for example, like a 36-month one, then you'll end up with tech that by the end of the contract it's not going to be working as well. Um, yeah. And then you might get looped into the whole, well, you can upgrade and then it's not actually that much of a good deal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's definitely things to consider. Uh, particularly if front. you're excited about a new phone, particularly a flagship and you look at something like £45 a month, like I could make that work. A lot of the mm -hmm. sites don't show you how much that will cost over 24 yeah. months. And it can be kind exactly. of terrifying when you actually see that figure. No. Uh, and like you say, yeah, if you could go down to something that has a really great single camera, maybe you don't care about ultra wide, then yeah. you can save yourself like literally hundreds of pounds. Yeah. And, and I can know, say as, oh, go on. I was saying, you know, like, it's just the mid range market has improved so much over the last few years. Like, you know, when I yep. started writing at Tech Advisor, like the mid ranges were just garbage. Like, you know, they yep. were fine for the price, but like it wasn't spectacular but over the last few years it, it, i think the mid-range is, is arguably more exciting than the, the flagship because you're just getting so much more bang for your buck in the mid-range than you are arguably yeah even at the top end level um mm -hmm. it's just so much more tempting than it yeah used to be. i agree and when you were saying um on the like the sim only contract sort of thing the also benefit of doing that is that you have a lot more flexibility so if you if you are able to pay upfront for a device then you know if say you know you're going somewhere and you're going to be using a lot of data you could pay a little bit more that month and then yep. switch down to something really low you know in the colder months where you say you know you're just hauling up at home and watching netflix <laughs> all the time and not needing yeah. to use your data so next to your wi-fi router with your logitech g cloud <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no this is all excellent advice and uh yeah i mean something like the oppo reno 8 pro unless you really need a display that can scale down to 10 hertz or you really need a, uh, a decent uh, telephoto optical lens, then, yeah, this sounds like something that could save you hundreds of dollars and fewer hundred euros, but still um, a saving. And it sounds like a decent phone. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Hannah. Solid review. And that is up on the site right now. Uh, I'll probably be making an appearance uh, in our best mid-range phone chart as well, which is where you can find all of those uh, best money-saving gadgets uh thank you both very much for your time i think that's time uh for us for today um yes. <laughs> what else have you got on the board have you got anything coming up review wise apart from lewis dropping his magnum opus <laughs> 14 <laughs> pro review <laughs> uh yeah so i've got the apple watch series 8 i'm gonna be looking at that and uh, i should also be getting the airpods pro early next week so i could just wrap them into you on one an little apple roll segment. my friend yeah what Exciting. can i say <laughs> I'll be I will be reviewing the uh, um, regular iPhone 14 uh, as well, so I'll get I'll get my Ooh. tiny little Apple bump. And then uh, Hannah, you also just reviewed an Amaze Fit. Uh, I did. 
Only a three-star review, so it's maybe not the wearable to pair with your new Reno 8 Pro. Yeah, <laughs> it's a shame, really, because the Motorfit's done some um, done some usually quite competitive trackers, but unfortunately the software and the tracking didn't work out on this one. But it did track my open water swim relatively okay, so, you know, swings and it roundabouts, did. I and guess. We also had a laugh because um, the Motorfit also claims to be able to track your chess and board games. Uh, yes, chess, <laughs> checkers drafts something else i was like whoa yeah xiaomi does the same thing with its uh, with the band seven and i'm just like what Uh, why is there separate ones for chess and checkers first (laughs) elevated heart rate uh when you play several different board games a week and you want to uh, differentiate those within an app maybe that is the wearable for you but i was just also highlighting that we have so many reviews coming at the moment at tech advisor we do so whatever you need keep it tuned to techadvisor.com and we will tell you which ones to buy and which ones to ignore Hannah and Lewis, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, everybody, for watching on YouTube or listening back on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back next week for more things phone-shaped and everything in between. Thank you very much. See you later. Bye. Bye.